Hello, my name is Sarah and I am your chakra coach. On this podcast, we'll be exploring how the chakra system can help guide you to grow your emotional, mental, physical, and spiritual wellness, leading you closer to your highest self. Hello and welcome. I am so glad you've joined me today. I mean, other than the fact that I'm always glad you're here, which I am, I'm also thrilled that you get to listen to this conversation I had with Dr. Liz Carter about Chinese medicine. You'll hear it in the episode. I am such a fan of her work. I discovered her on Instagram and I was just so impressed by her knowledge and her willingness to share it. I mean, she has all her free content and she has courses and she has a practice. And if you're a Chinese medicine practitioner or an acupuncturist, she has courses for you too, specifically about five element practices, which we will discuss at length in the show. But before I tell you about her, I'm going to ask you for my weekly favor, and that's to please go into your favorite podcast app to rate and or review the show. And if you're not already following or subscribing, whatever your platform calls it, please go ahead and do that so that you don't miss an episode. These little things really help me out. They help the show out, and they they probably don't seem like a big deal to you, but they really, really do matter. So if you would do that, I'd appreciate it. So back to Dr. Liz. She is so smart and she's so cool. And in the conversation, I call her a genius. And I, <laughs> I think it embarrassed her a little, but really, I mean, she takes these concepts that can be so broad and intimidating and she makes them understandable and practical. Dr. Liz is a licensed naturopathic doctor and an acupuncturist who has been practicing in the Seattle area since 2011. She's been teaching online courses about Chinese medicine and naturopathic medicine since 2019, and she loves helping people feel empowered, engaged, and excited about their health. Her passion is helping people find the root cause of their issues and supporting them through the mental, emotional, and spirit-based challenges of modern life. You can probably see why I like her so much. Some fun facts about Dr. Liz. She has has a giant black cat named Marvin. She has a very funny husband who helps her take her own life less seriously. She enjoys quilting, and she loves reading novels that involve witches. I don't know. I thought that was really fun. Anyway, I think you're going to love her as much as I do. Remember to follow her on all the socials, go to her website, learn more about her, learn more about you and your element, and see how Chinese medicine can improve your health. Here's Dr. Liz. Dr. Liz, welcome to the show. I am so excited to have you here. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you. Yeah, it's uh, it's sunny and beautiful here in Seattle. These are uh, the prettiest months of the year for sure. So I'm really soaking it up. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, some t- To me, sunshine makes a huge difference. So I really feel like I thrive in the summer months and I kind of don't so much in the winter months. I don't know. Yeah, I hear maybe, that. Maybe that has <laughs> to do with challenge. my element. We'll get into it. Um, <laughs> you are an acupuncturist and an expert in Chinese medicine. I talked about it in the intro, but would you be willing to give us sort of a, a primer on Chinese medicine? I mean, what is it and and why should we pay attention to it? Yeah, I, I think one of the most important aspects to realize about Chinese medicine is that it is so more, so much more than just acupuncture. I think that's the piece that people are the most familiar with. And that on top of that, they're really familiar with the fact that acupuncture treats pain effectively. That's the thing that we all know and has been studied the most. Um, the thing that people don't realize is um, how much Chinese medicine was designed to treat. It is a full system of medicine that can treat everything from allergies and asthma to constipation, to autoimmune issues, all kinds of things. So it's really nice to kind of broaden that scope in terms of, hey, I wonder if it can help me with this. The answer is probably yes, it can. And the great thing about it is that it's been around for at least 2,000 years. So the protocols that exist, many of them 
are time tested, which is wonderful um, to have that kind of traditional knowledge base that's been there forever. Yeah, I sometimes feel like medicine is a guessing game, right? I go to the doctor and I'm like, these are my symptoms. And they're like, it could be one of these 20 things. Let's just throw it at the wall and see what sticks. Um, and some of it just doesn't have maybe that sort of depth of history. And that is one of the things that really uh, uh, intrigued me because the chakra system, of course, is also very, very ancient and yet still highly, highly relevant. So tell us a little bit about Chinese medicine and its relevance today? How does one even practice it? <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think that's what's so, that's what drew me into Chinese medicine too, in in understanding just how relevant it is in that um, it's, it's very much so based in the principles of Taoism and naturalism, which basically means that humans are an integral part of nature and they are united with nature. So nature is us and we are nature. So to see Chinese medicine in your life, especially the five elements, you can literally look out a window and see, you know, what's going on with the trees and how are they growing and what's happening and, you know, what happens if if they have, uh, if there's a big rainstorm and there's too much water and it, and it washes away some earth or if it's too dry and the earth sucks up all the water, all of that is a metaphor for both our internal system, our health and um, our personal and how we interact with other people. It's pretty wild. That that sounds incredible. So you mentioned the five elements. I'd like to go a little bit more in depth about that. So there, there are the five elements in nature, but we also find the five elements in us. Yep. Yep. Absolutely. Yeah. And uh, so the five elements are wood, fire, earth, metal, and water. So um, if you've ever seen a symbol of the five elements, they form a circle. So they're all connected via a circle. And then there's a star pattern in the middle of that circle. And what we see with that pattern is that every single element is connected to every single other element. So there's this beautiful, amazing intricacy that happens where um, yeah, where we can see the elemental interactions, you know, again, through nature, in our bodies, and then within ourselves. I think I answered your question. You you did. And I'm, and I'm going to ask a follow-up. So when I think about, say, like the wood element, does that relate to specific structures in my body? Yes, it does. Yep. Each, so each element has physical correlations, and then it also has mental and emotional correlations. So yeah. Yeah. So for your wood element, especially um, tendons and connective tissue are a really big part of that. Uh, the liver, which is an organ of the wood element, your two organs of wood are liver and gallbladder. Uh, the liver opens to the eyes. So if we have imbalances in the wood element, we also see it in uh, in eye issues sometimes. Uh, and then we have emotions associated with the elements. So the emotion of wood is anger. So if your wood element is out of balance or you're a wood element person, you tend to be a little bit more on that irritable, quick to anger kind of spectrum, more so than other folks. Fascinating. Um, tell us about sort of the others in that brief way you just did. So what about fire? Yeah, fire is a really, it's a really interesting one um, because it has uh, four organs associated with it rather than two. So we've got heart and small intestine. So a little bit about heart in Chinese medicine, that is uh, the most important organ of the body. It's known as the emperor of the body and it rules over all of the other organs. It also houses our spirit known as the Shen. Um, so it's, it's a super important organ and it has a lot to do with anxiety, and its emotion is joy. So if we have too much joy, it's a problem. If we have too little joy, it's a problem. In Chinese medicine, everything is about balance. So we want to essentially rebalance the elements so they're working in harmony within you together. Um, small intestine, mentally and emotionally and physically is about sorting out your life. If there's any confusion, um, small intestine is sometimes a part of that issue. And then we have... Uh, uh, pericardium, which is about boundaries and relationships usually. Uh, and it's a protective heart around a protective sac around our heart. And then we have Sanjiao, which is kind of, uh, it's harder to understand in Western conception. Uh, the, the closest thing we understand is that it's uh, like circulation essentially and mentally and emotionally it senses the vibe in the room, which is kind of fun to think nice. about. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I love that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. then let's see, there was also metal. 
Yeah. Um, so metal is associated with lung and large intestine. So lungs emotion is grief. So that can be a big thing for metal people. Or if you're grieving, you know that your lungs are going to be a little bit more stressed. Lungs are also associated with the immune system and skin. So if we have anything that's stressing the lungs, sometimes it will show up um, on the skin for us. And uh, large intestine is all about the balance between holding on and letting go, of course, mentally, emotionally, and physically, right? Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep. So it's got a really big job. It's kind of the garbage man of the body. You know, nobody really likes to, to you know, have to do that job, but man, it's important. And if it doesn't get done, we're going to notice it. Yeah. Um, yeah. So that's, yeah. And metal, metals in nature, you know, I think fire and wood are pretty intuitive. Metal is mineral or rock. So it's really nice to think about it in the form of like a mountain. Um, and then metal is also whatever you can find in the mountain that's mineral. So like precious gemstones, precious metals, that's all associated with the metal element, including, of course, the tools and things that we can make from metal. Fascinating. And then, mm -hmm. oh, now I feel like I'm going to lose it. Water? Water. Yep. Yep. No, you're you're doing great. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's a quiz. Yeah. It, right. 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 Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so water water element is associated with kidneys and bladder, which makes a ton of sense, right? Because we know Western-wise, they, they process a lot of water in our body. So uh, the emotion of the water element is fear. So that will come up pretty strongly if you're a water element individual. Um, sometimes people are kind of ruled by fear and they kind of stay um, really conservative in their life. And other times water people become a little bit more fearless on that spectrum. So they're kind of like the adrenaline junkies, you know, the skydiving, that yeah, kind of yeah. thing. Um, and then, yeah, bladder is also, it helps to regulate um, fluidity in the body, essentially, uh, physically, mentally, and emotionally. So like if you're stuck in shock or fright, which happens in fear, the bladder is the one that kind of helps to move you out of that and regulate. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I think the last one is earth, um, which is great. Earth is, it, it's a really beautiful element. Sometimes in the five element tradition, you see uh, earth as part of that circle. And then sometimes you see it at the center of the circle, and that's what it does. It centers and grounds everything, and it can do that for the other elements. So it's associated mainly with our digestion, with organs, uh, spleen, and stomach. The spleen is your biggest digestive organ in Chinese medicine, which is very weird compared to the Western conception of it. Um, it also kind of like includes pancreatic functions in a Western sense, um, and even some hormonal. So uh, the emotion of the earth element is worry. So sometimes if we're we're in that mode, we can kind of obsess and ruminate over one thing. Um, and then that, yeah, the stomach's job is kind of that churning and breaking things down mentally and emotionally. And I think a lot of times what people don't realize is that those organs are not only digesting your food, they're digesting your thoughts mm -hmm. and emotions and environment. So it's very easy for them to get overwhelmed, especially in modern day where we have so much stimulation all the time. And then people wonder why digestion is a little bit off or struggling. Yeah. That can why do we all reason. have leaky gut syndrome Right, all that good stuff. Right, um, absolutely. How do we, how do we know which is our dominant element? I mean, I took your quiz on your website, which was very informative. Um, how how do you know which one you're you're dominant in, or and what does that mean when you discover? Oh, I'm a wood person. Oh, I'm a, a earth person. Yeah, I think so. The ways to discover it, I mean the the most accurate by far is to go see a five element acupuncturist because that's literally their job <laughs> is to diagnose your elements and to give you treatments to help balance them. Um, you know, and then there are things that exist online like my quiz and probably a few others where, you know, because we're, we're self-evaluating, it can be a little bit less accurate, um, but it's still a good place to start. And then, you know, things, there are a few kind of uh, books that explain the elements a little bit in depth and, and you can read about that and go through it. But um, yeah, it does, it, it can be very hard to figure out your dominant element in the beginning because they all kind of seem like, oh, I have, I have aspects of all of those. And um, I always tell people, um, I think that's really healthy when you can see yourself in multiple elements. Um, I think it's, it's much 
more worrisome to me as a practitioner if somebody is like, no, I can really only understand wood and their very wood element, because that generally means that they have been in that state for so long that that's, that's how they've been living, that's all they understand, and they don't have that internal balance that maybe some other people do. I will say, as I was taking the quiz, occasionally I would say, oh, this answer I feel like is my is my natural tendency. This is the thing I actually do when I'm out in the world. Yeah. Um, and so the, I, what you're saying about it can be very difficult to self-evaluate, I think, it really rings true to me because I was like, if I had my choice, this is the behavior I would engage in or this is what I would do. But my job or my the expectations of society don't allow me to to do that. And so really this is my actual behavior. Um, so I guess then the answer, if I'm answering a quiz like yours, I should really go with my, my, my natural tendency, the thing that I would prefer. Yeah, I think, I think so. You know, even if we're maybe like a little ashamed of it or unsure, uh, yes. You know, if it's your first instinct that that's probably what you want to go with because you're right, all of those social pressures. And then we put on different personas in different aspects of our lives. And sure, we can definitely show up more like a wood element in one aspect and then more like an earth element in another. Um, and then, you know, I think something that's really important to understand about the elements too is that we we are born with our primary one and then we kind of come into our secondary where we learn it uh, generally at about two or three years old from our primary caregivers. Um, but in the sense, people feel like, man, is this is this fixed? Is this all I have in life? And while they do stay the same over your lifetime, that doesn't mean that how you interact with them will always be the same. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who invest heavily in personal growth end up being the the hardest for me to personally diagnose when they come in because they have access to all five and they can hop into like multiple spaces. Um, and that's a really beautiful thing. So the you, you all, everyone carries all five within them. Mm -hmm. um, it's just that we tend to have one or two that are more dominant in our life. And that can be really, really helpful to understand in depth because then we understand how we respond to stress. We understand how we like to be communicated with, you know, maybe some relationship issues clear up because yeah, we, we, and you know, we understand other people if we know the five elements too. So they can be uh, just massively transformative. I know they were in, in my life when I, when I learned them, they're such a wonderful tool to have. Mm -hmm. And from sort of engaging with your content, my understanding is the idea is not to be like everybody's goal isn't to be perfectly balanced 20% each of the five elements. The idea is to live in harmony with your natural tendencies, with the input of these other elements. So if you're dominant in one area, that's fine. You should just go ahead and, and be dominant in that area. There's no pressure within the Chinese medicine tradition to change. Right, right. And I, yes, and that brings up another piece that I think is really important to understand about the elements themselves. I look at the elements as a filter or a defense mechanism. They don't truly represent our authentic selves, right? So there's something that we tend to engage with, the, especially when we're talking about like psychological and behavioral patterns. We engage with them when maybe we feel threatened or we feel stressed. Like that's just what we go to, um, especially in the extreme responses that we can have, you know, down an element path. Um, so it, yeah, it's important to know that when you do feel more balanced, it's almost like you have a breath of space uh, to think and say like, hey, do I really want to go back down that path or do I have another option at hand that actually fits the situation better? So in that way, yeah, it's not it's not set in stone. I'm not sure I totally answered your question, but hopefully that was helpful. Yeah, I mean, I think the idea is is much like, you know, Ayurveda in the the Hindu tradition, like the idea isn't, the idea is to be balanced within yourself, not balanced to some sort of standardized norm, which honestly, I also feel like is another distinction between these ancient practices and Western medicine, where they give me a chart and they're like, this is normal, you deviate. Whereas there's a lot more room for a lot more normals in this discipline. Would you say that's true? Yeah, I absolutely. You know, I think instead of being like strict categories as well, I think elements and ba balance is about fluidity, right? It it means that there's adaptation within your system where 
if you have extreme stress for a while, yeah, you might really rely on that element for a long time. And the key mm. is to maybe have enough self-help and tools to back you out of that behavioral pattern once you're through that stressful time in your life, rather than some people, you know, getting getting kind of locked into that response. And that is something I see pretty commonly in, in new patients who come to see me where I talk about it like, you feel like you're a hamster on a wheel and you'd really like to get off the wheel. You're aware of that, but you just can't. You keep kind of acting in this way that might not be in your own self-best interest, that kind of thing. And it's just, yeah, sometimes we get locked into those into those patterns, um, you know, when really, yeah, we need to get back to that fluid adaptability moving in and out of, of these different energies that we have access to. That definitely answered my question. Thank you. Sure. And that really sort of leads me to my next set of questions, which was, uh, we obviously Chinese medicine is famous for healing pain, right? That's, I think a lot of people's first introduction. They're like, I've just had this hip pain forever and I'm, I'm trying everything and that's how they find it. Um, and so I was going to ask, you know, can it be used for emotional and psychological and mental healing? But I think you've answered that question. Yes. If we have, if we present with physical symptoms, say I come to you with a, a stomach or digestive issue, how do you use Chinese medicine to help diagnose and heal a physical ailment? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, and I think, you know, the, what's interesting too is that the medicine before we'll get a little history lesson here before 1960 <laughs> it was known as classical chinese medicine and all of that was integrated mental emotional physical spiritual which is wonderful um it, during the communist revolution the medicine was kind of split so we ended up with something called tcm which is known as traditional chinese medicine which unfortunately is not totally traditional. It's a modernization of classical Chinese medicine. And the way they chose to modernize it was to get rid of anything, quote unquote, spiritual or superstitious. So TCM is actually a lot more physically based and focused on physical pain, which is the by far the dominant form of acupuncture that people are, tra are, are trained in, uh, in China and then in the US as well. Um, Five element acupuncture is it was all, is also not traditional. It started in the 1970s. It is another adaptation for the modern Western world. That one kind of picks up the pieces where that is much more mentally, emotionally, uh, and spiritually based. So that's why uh, I had a mentor in school who practiced both, and he practices a bit more in the classical technique. So that's kind of why I ended up doing what what I'm doing. So. I think that's a really important piece if you are looking for somebody, you know, if you're like, okay, you know, my my symptoms are predominantly physical, maybe I want to go TCM or they're predominantly mental emotional, maybe I want to go 5E to find practitioners that way. But, you know, I've also had several severe pain cases come in and done only five element work and that's what helps them. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, and that that's the beautiful thing about Chinese medicine too and and when you know, you know, certain points you can't you can't separate out the um the functionality of each point you know when i put a point in it has a mental emotional and physical function some are more heavily physically based and some are much more mentally and emotionally based so knowing those differences can be really great um and your intention and how you use them with the patient is also really important um yeah did that answer your question it absolutely did Dreaming of a better sleep? Tossing and turning is not your destiny. And Ollie is here to help. Ollie invites you to sink into sweet, sweet slumber to improve your mental and physical health and overall wellness. More than just melatonin, Ollie's ingredients help you unwind your mind for a delightfully dreamy drift off. Sleep is on the way at Ollie.com. That's O L L Y.com. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Do you find that a lot of people's physical symptoms 
are actually at their root a psychological or emotional cause. And that's uh, why I, I'm, mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I feel like that would happen a lot. I think, yes, you're a hundred percent right. You know, reading, uh, you know, from a five element perspective, the founder, uh, you know, um, estimated that about 90% of ailments in the Western world specifically, right? Because we're not struggling in the same way that, that maybe other parts of the world are, are mentally and emotionally based. And if you can get to that mental and emotional root, a lot of times physical things will improve. Um, and I, I do see that time and time again in my in my practice, where if we can balance those core elements, I look at that as kind of like, uh, a supportive and nourishing treatment that rebuilds the body so it can actually go heal what it needs to heal. I'm not really telling it, go do the stomach or or go help this tendon. Sometimes I am, but a lot of times it's just getting that base level of nourishment up for the body to do its magical healing thing. Yeah. Sometimes I think the body knows what to do if we can just sort of get out of its way. hundred percent. Absolutely. <laughs> to me, that's like 90% of my job right there. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I remember reading something about specifically back pain and like people who'd been living with, you know, on a scale of one to 10 level nine back pain forever when they could get their emotional attachment or struggle with the pain under control, that that pain level would drop to like two or three. And that was actually the physical portion of it It was this very, very small part. And I feel like that's kind of what you're specifically addressing is all of those psychological components because they really are inseparable. I think that's um, it's really neat. So, I mean, I know acupuncture is a treatment modality, acupressure, right? Those are the those are the famous ones. What are other modalities that you use? Um, you know, so I'm a little bit unique because I'm also a naturopathic doctor. So I and I integrate that into my treatments. So I will use a lot of. Um, naturopathic modalities in terms of counseling, diet and lifestyle. We've got herbs, we've got homeopathy. Um, Most acupuncturists are trained in Chinese herbs. I am not, so I don't have that wonderful medicine at my fingertips. But um, yeah, you know, Chinese medicine wise, I'd say my main tools really are acupuncture and then educating people about Chinese medicine and how it impacts their lives and uh, the correlations between what they're experiencing in their body, what I'm doing in treatment and what that means for their health overall. One thing that you talk a lot about on Instagram is timing, how uh, different organs are related to different times of day, uh, different, I think different elements have different times of day. Would you share just a little bit about that? Because I feel like that's really a, a unique way to to look at the the body as a system. Yeah, absolutely. It is. And it's, yeah, it's super helpful. It's, uh, yeah, so there, it's a system called the Chinese clock and each organ, which we have 12 of in Chinese medicine is associated with a different two hour period on the clock. So it's really helpful to understand, for example, if your liver, the highest time of liver is one to 3 a.m. And would, uh, as an organ an organ and liver as an organ loves to like grow and move and do. So it's a really common time for people to wake up and like want to be productive or just even have trouble like um, settling in from their day uh, ahead of time. Or they wake up angry because the liver is associated with anger. It's also a common time for blood sugar issues for people to get a blood sugar drop and wake up, especially if they've had alcohol because that liver is struggling to process. So there's a lot, if you have certain symptoms at certain times of day, that's one of the things I always run people through where I'm like, oh, does this always happen at this time? Are you always tired now? Or do you always have gas and bloating now? And then I look at which organ is correlated with that. And that leads me to um, maybe not their constitutional or core element, but it could be that, or it could be a layer of an element that is out of balance for them that we need to address. Very interesting. Do you, so let's say it's liver. Now I, I sleep from one to three pretty well myself. Does that mean my liver's doing great? Or does that mean like my liver is a problem? No, if, yeah, if you're not waking up and you're not having any issues, um, I, that usually means it, it's great. The, the liver is also, and wood element is associated with um, planning and overall vision and perspective. So it's wonderful that it's, you know, it's during the most restorative time of night with sleeping is that if you are not disturbed during during those hours, you're allowing your liver to do all of this planning and orchestrating and making sure everything in your body is running smoothly behind the scenes. 
does that mean we should be planning our days around our organs and what they need? I mean, <laughs> how do you, how do you do something like that? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah, obviously depends on schedule flexibility, of course, but it is really nice to understand, especially if you know your core elements, um, to understand we'll, we'll just go with wood element again. You know, the liver and gallbladder are the most active from 11 PM to 3 AM wood element. People do have a tendency to stay up later because they feel good during that organ time. Um, for wood element people, it can be really, really important if you're feeling like you're short on sleep or for anybody with an out of balance um, wood element to try to cut that off and go to bed by about 10 or 1030 before that natural energy ramps up because it's fun and exciting to be up during that time. But then you're also not allowing those organs to do that restorative processing background work, which is fine once in a while. But if it's a, if it's a habit and a routine and you're constantly getting way less sleep, it can be depleting over time. That's very interesting. Um, I actually am a wood element dominant person, according to your um, very good quiz online. And so that oh, thanks. Thanks for diagnosing me right there, Dr. Liz. You're um, welcome. <laughs> <laughs> when do the other organs heal themselves? If it's like a, you know, 10 a.m. to noon organ, that might be not the right hour frame. But, you know, like I'm usually up doing things if that's my I don't know spleen or something like how is it getting its rest and healing yeah you're actually really close yeah spleen is 9 to 11 a.m <laughs> and then 11 a.m to 1 uh, p.m is heart so um and and you actually went right over between you know whenever there's a transition between organs so so not only is the clock um important in terms of understanding which organs are associated with which hours. That's also a cycle of energy that your chi or energy is progressing through. So um, if there is an issue around a transition time at that, this is the most common, like let's say 11 a.m., it means that maybe your spleen and your heart are not communicating the way that they should be. And there are treatments in five elements that help to open and remove those blocks so your chi can actually flow smoothly again. Um, so yeah, so there, I, there's just so many things that it's so helpful. And, you know, spleen being a major digestive organ, it, it can be a really, really nice time to already have had your breakfast and then really focus um, on your work. It can be an incredibly productive time, even though we think about, you know, wood element being really productive. The spleen's spirit, which is known as the yi, really ha helps a lot with concentration and focus. So if your spleen is really healthy, a lot of times you can get a ton done and go really deep with your work during that time. And if it's a little out of balance, you might feel foggy and spacey and probably get some sugar cravings because the spleen loves sugar. Well, it loves to taste sweet, and uh, but, but mildly sweet things like potato or oats or pumpkin rather than like sugar, <laughs> which will kind of overdo it for the spleen and deplete it. So that was a long answer, but hopefully that was, that was helpful. No, that was lovely. And what it sort of brought home to me was that there are, this is an extraordinary complex system with a lot of different parts. So when you said earlier, like the best thing to do, if you really want to know is go see a professional, like I was like, oh yeah, yeah. This is not a thing I can just like hope to do on my own. Um, even with your really great online guidance. Um, but yeah, all of the timing, I just wanted to say real quick, would you just give us a brief definition of chi? Yeah, I would just say chi is, um, I think the way we can think of it within ourselves and the universe's energy, it's, it can be a life force, it can be vitality. And in Chinese medicine, it's believed that, um, you know, we share chi with nature and then chi is a part of everything. So everything in the world is connected. And you can see that you were just speaking to like the intricacy of the medicine and all of the connections that, yeah, everything is interconnected and that can make it really intimidating to learn at first, but it's also kind of fascinating when you start to really see those pieces come together, especially in your own body and mind. I was just going to ask when you were studying, did you just feel like every day was this new self-revelation type thing? <laughs> Honestly, yeah, a, a lot of that where it just, it just so much of it hit home where it was like, oh, well, that's why that makes so much sense. And, you know, even as like, um, a wood person, you might have pain along your liver and gallbladder channels more than somebody else. And gallbladder runs up the side of your leg and your back and up to like the base of your skull. And then liver is kind of on the inside of your leg. So it's, it's really interesting once you 
understand those those elements and then you understand their their correlations mentally and emotionally and physically so much starts to come into focus in your life and be like oh well that's not a random thing you know that my body's actually telling me in a subtle way that oh yeah okay that liver is a little out of balance or, or whatever it is mm -hmm. fascinating how since we can't all go see you because you live in seattle area uh, how do we find a practitioner in our area is there like a list of uh credentialed, I don't know, like, <laughs> how do we find somebody and know for sure that they know their stuff? Yeah, it, that's a really good question. Um, there are a couple avenues that you can uh, explore. So number one is the NCCAOM, which is the National Accrediting Organization of Acupuncture and Oriental Medicine. So it's nccaom.org. And I believe right at the top, they have a link that says find a practitioner. So you can do that. You can put your zip code in and only, you know, NCCOM accredited practitioners will show up, which is the vast majority of acupuncturists in the United States. It means that they went through at least, you know, my program was three years. Some people, if they do a doctorate, you know, it's four or five years that folks have been through that much schooling. Um, that uh, search function does not separate, you know, um, TCM docs versus 5E docs. So that's something that if you had a particular interest in type of medicine, you would just need to uh, go, you know, maybe call the office uh, and ask that kind of thing. So yeah, I, there's not a great directory for each of those separately, but I think that's probably the best directory. Mm -hmm. Thank you for that. I'll link that in the show notes um, as I'm sure people are interested. A lot of times we're very interested in these things and we just have no idea where to start. So we give up. Totally. I mean, and so, yeah, so thank you for, for sharing that very much. Um, so if I was thinking to myself, gosh, I'm so clearly, I'm going to just use myself. I'm a, I'm a wood element. What are things that I can, can you practice Chinese medicine on your own? Can you, or do you, do you need a doctor? Like I can't prescribe myself antibiotics. I can't do acupuncture on myself. Like I, I don't even know if you can, I know I cannot. Um, are there things that a person can do outside of um, professional guidance? And should we? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think that's the beauty of Chinese medicine is that there's so much that you can do yourself um, to at least help either between treatments or until you can get a treatment, um, you know, and yeah, I think, yeah, nobody can do, I would not recommend doing acupuncture on yourself <laughs> at oh, all, you. you know, because we, that's, that's most of what we do in school is like we learn proper placement and then depth of needle is really important for the area of the body, but you can absolutely do an angle. Um, you can absolutely do acupressure on yourself. You know, acupressure points are the same as acupuncture points. So any reference you find to that can be totally helpful. I usually recommend about two to five minutes of, of gentle stimulation over the point. You know, you don't have to really like, uh, grind your finger in there. It's meant to be relaxing taking deep breaths, um, just to help your body kind of get in the mode and understand what you're accessing in that point. Um, to me, it's, it's helpful to understand, you know, what organ it's correlated with. So you can also think about that. And if you know anything about the elements and it's like, okay, well, that's a layer where I know this is going to help with my heartbreak that I'm experiencing or my grief or, you know, uh, yeah, my, yeah, my frustration or fear. So, um, acupressure is, is one aspect and, um, I think my favorite way to help people start maybe understanding their health um, with Chinese medicine is is really to spend more time in nature because again, we learn so much about ourselves from observing the natural world and seeing how these elements interact with each other. And it's it's profoundly relaxing and healing to be in nature. So um, and you know, in our modern world, we often feel either disconnected from it or like, or like we can like be better than nature and we can beat it. And, you know, we can kind of stay in our beautiful, like 72 degree air conditioned space all the time. And, you know, it's kind of wild, but in, you know, in Chinese medicine, nature is us and we are nature. So mm -hmm. if we're disconnecting from it, we're actually disconnecting from ourselves and we're not listening to a part of ourselves. And I think that comes up a lot when people have mood issues around certain seasonal changes or they struggle that way you know and a lot of it to me is is this difficulty in living with the energy of the season that's present but that we are not acknowledging because modern society one doesn't acknowledge it or two allow us to follow the natural energy of that season 
So like I was saying at the very beginning of this, how it's summer and I do great in the summer and I love to be outdoors. And so, and I've, I've actually talked about this before, like the darkness of the winter is a time where we really start to turn inward, but our society is like, nope, it's just constant summer, constant production, constant go, go, go. The important thing is how much can you do? Mm-hmm. And so I'm interested in like, mood struggles I don't want to say disorders but mood struggles with the seasonal change and you find that's because we're fighting nature we're not uh allowing our our bodies our chi to be in harmony with nature's chi yeah I do I'm not saying that that is the totality of an issue because I think there's a lot of variables but yes I do and obviously that's my lens so that's that's how I look at people but I do think that is a big piece sometimes of of seasonal issues and like i have patients too who um who do have more trouble in the summer where they get really overly anxious and frenetic and they don't like the energy of that either because you know they're too overstimulated already and that's too much and that's not their natural energy um or it is their natural energy and it's just way too much like it's amping up their their fire element too much which is the element in the in the summer in the so summertime. Um, yeah. And yeah. And it's not always, you know, with like water, the water elements associated with winter, you know, I have some water element folks who do struggle in the winter time, you know, during, during your season, you do tend to feel like the best or the most in harmony with yourself. But I also think that's if you can embrace the energy of that season, whereas, you know, winter is definitely restorative, slow, um, storage. How many resources do I have, you know, kind of this conserving, energy. Um, and if you're not able to bring a little bit more of that into your life because your job's too demanding or whatever is happening, it, it can really hit you hard. Mm-hmm. How does that work in, in parts of the world where the, the differentiation between seasons is, is, is very minute, right? Like some, uh, sort of equator or central American countries I'm thinking of specifically, they just they have wet season and dry season. They don't really have summer and winter. So how how does that how does that work? Yeah, that is a really good question. I mean, uh, and to me, I guess the the best way that I think about it is that no matter where you are in the world, there are always going to be subtle seasonal shifts that happen. And if you are in a place where it's not as obvious, that can actually be a really good practice to see what you can observe. Like, when do you feel that shift happen? And there are uh, specific specific seasonal points to there in Chinese medicine. There is uh, there's a 24 point calendar about seasonal transitions. Uh, so, for example, the one that we're coming up on here, uh, August, I believe it's eighth. It's either seventh or eighth. Is the beginning of fall energy. So summer is not over, of course, but summer energy has been waning since the solstice. The solstice is the peak of summer energy in Chinese medicine, not the beginning of it, which is how most people think about it. Yes. So it can be really nice when you know these transitions are coming up to just see if you can feel those shifts. You know, what happens? Is the air a little bit drier? Because that's the climate of the fall is is this dryness. Um, And in some people, in some places, it's very damp, which this is a little complicated time of year because we also have late summer, which is the season of earth and the climate is dampness. So <laughs> that's coming up in mid-August, but um, that's kind of how I encourage people to to tune in, you know, especially around where the seasonal energy starts to shift and maybe start the other one starts to come in is to, is to look for that. What plants are growing? What plants are dying off? How are you feeling? You know, I know personally for me, because I'm my metal, I'm metal primary, you know, in that like first or second week of August, I feel a relief where that like frenetic energy of summer has come down. The fire energy is, has decreased enough that you can start to feel that fall energy, which is the season of the metal element come in. So, um, it's, yeah, it's, it's really interesting when you, yeah, when you know those correlations and can, and can look for them and just, yeah, observe what, what happens in you and what happens in nature. And that goes right to back what you were saying is spend time in nature, spend time noticing the subtle changes um, in your natural environment and in your body. So if fire is the element of summer and metal is the element of fall and water is the element of winter, Mm -hmm. there's spring. And then there's a poor fifth element that doesn't get a season. So, so that's a really, so, um, let's start with spring. Spring is wood. 
Uh, so, yep. And uh, spring usually starts around early February when that, that energy starts to come in and then it peaks at the equinox. Um, and then, yeah, so the earth element, it, it, seasonally earth is really interesting. So there is, there is technically an earth season called late summer, which is from about mid-August to the equinox, sometimes a little bit longer if you're having a really nice, like kind of what we would used to call like Indian summer, right? Where it's kind of just pleasant and warm. Um, yeah. And time, time in late summer is really interesting is it, it kind of seems to stand still where the days are the most balanced between yin and yang energy. Yin is that cooling, restorative, slowing force that's stronger in the fall and winter. And yang is that like bright, active, energetic that we get in the spring and summer. So uh, late summer is that that balance point for the whole year between those two. Um, so and earth also shows up between uh, between the transitions of uh, seasons, which is kind of wild. So because it is meant to stabilize and balance every element, so it can kind of show up at those points too. Yeah. yeah. I feel like that reminds me of when you were saying like, sometimes the circle has the four elements and then the earth in the middle. And yep. so, you know, the earth is obviously present during every season because well, it's the earth. So um, that mm -hmm. is really wonderful. I think you're just basically a genius honestly, <laughs> listening to all of these things. I'm so interested and I'm so fascinated. And I think that um, probably a lot of us in the Western world are missing out on a lot of really valuable and necessary healing by sort of ignoring this ancient tradition. Can I ask you a question about like the development of Chinese medicine? Who practiced it? Was there like town doctors or shamans or did people practice it in their homes or was there less uh, less need for it because historically we like to think of our ancestors as being more connected to the earth um how did how did it work then when we didn't go to an office yeah i mean this is an area that i wish that i knew more about my history was very uh light in school but um you know from my mentor yeah i mean there were there were definitely physicians that were trained in Chinese medicine um, who were town doctors. And then I think it was the same thing where this was not meant to be a medicine that, you know, was behind closed doors. It was also um, a lot of this and, and the Taoist principles and practices that we're talking about with the connection to nature, that was part of the culture and that's understood and part of the culture. So a doctor might help to rebalance certain things or give you herbs to certain things. But I think a lot of the culture was already connected in that way. And again, that's my very, uh, very surface level understanding. Um, the one thing that I, I found really interesting for my mentor too, at least I, I used to think about, you know, uh, olden times, right? I was like, oh, well, of course, you know, the doctors were just, they were way more well-versed in like physical ailments because that must've been what people were really struggling with back then because we didn't have modern medicine and all these other wonderful mod modern things that we have. And, you know, um, from his understanding of the medicine and research, he said, no, a lot of it was mental and emotional treatment too, that really helped that made the difference. And I thought that was super fascinating. So, um, yeah. Yeah. That's incredibly fascinating. And I, I do think about that every so often, like human beings are human beings. We've always had grief and loss and, um, longing for things. And there have always been people who are like, no, let's stay at home. And always people who are like, let's explore the world. And we've all throughout history had all of these like emotions. And we tend to think of ourselves, oh, it's modern. We, it's so different now, but like as human beings, maybe it's not quite so different. Right. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, so. absolutely. And I, I did just want to say one thing too, where, I mean, thank you so much for your praise about <laughs> <laughs> genius. But I also want to reinforce for everybody too who's listening who wants to experience Chinese medicine, like I, I'm not unique in what I know. You know, the, if you go see an acupuncturist or a Chinese medicine practitioner, like they're going to understand the same correlations, you know, um, for the most part. So there is that wealth of knowledge within the medicine that's really um, widespread. It's, it's just not very well known. Right. You are all trained in the tradition. And so there's going to be some consistency between what you know, what you do really well, at least for me, is teach it in a way that makes sense to me that I can understand. So I thank you for that. Dr. Liz, I already follow you on Instagram and, and read your emails every time you send them out. How can people find you out more about you what you do? 
Yeah, I I think um, I am really active on Instagram right now. So that's a great place to start with. Um, I'm just Dr. Liz Carter on Instagram. Uh, you're also welcome to visit my website, which is drlizcarter.com. Um, there's a lot of good resources on there with some freebies and like the personality test is on there. There's some blogs about the five elements and the seasons, um, all of that great stuff. And um, if you are interested in like the seasonal correlations and there's even like foods associated with each season. And Amazing. that's a, it's super fun. Yeah. So you can learn to eat seasonally according to Chinese medicine, or, you know, if you know your element, then it's like, you know what, you know, I'm a fire element and it's winter, but I'm going to eat some fire element foods. Cause that's what I feel like, you know, um, you can, you can do that with, there's a free, uh, guide that's called taste of the seasons that you can also download on my website and you get little updates throughout each season of the foods and recipes, um, and a little understanding of what that taste means according to Chinese medicine. That's so cool. You also do um, a variety of courses and things. So if people really want to get in depth and learn things, there's information about that on your website, I imagine. Yeah, no, that's a good question. Yeah, I'm currently really trying to build that out right now. And there are there are two workshops um, a, a, a correlated with the Chinese clock, like we just talked about, where if you really, if that's fascinating and you want to learn about the organs overnight and how they're connected to your sleep, there's an improve your sleep with Chinese medicine course. And then there's one uh, called improve your energy, mood and focus, which kind of completes the 24 hour cycle. So you can learn about the daytime organs. So that's really fun. Yeah. That is really fun. Thank you so, so very much for your time today. Uh, I just appreciate all of your knowledge and your, your generosity. Is there anything else that you'd like people to know about you or about Chinese medicine or our way of thinking about it before we go? Hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, I think with Chinese medicine, it's just realizing that it can offer so much more than we give it credit for sometimes. You know, if you have elbow pain, wonderful, but realize that you're probably going to walk out of a treatment feeling less stressed and maybe even better about yourself, um, which is powerful. And also, I would not, you know, I, I get it if you're needle phobic, but in general, the needles really don't hurt. <laughs> They're pretty comfortable. That depends on your practitioner. But I know a lot of people have a lot of trepidation around it specifically because of the needles. And sure. If you have a good practitioner, they will take the time to make you comfortable and explain the needles and what they're like and what they're going to feel like. Um, so, you know, if, if that's a barrier, then, um, you know, uh, find somebody who's willing to educate you and talk to you about, you know, what you're uncomfortable about. And there are there are plenty of practitioners out there who are great and will do that. Lovely. Well, thank you, Dr. Liz, for your time. I appreciate what you're doing and I look forward to staying connected with you. Awesome. Thank you so much. This was super fun.